This morning we will be in Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. Much to your great dismay, I'm sure, we're going to skip a lot of genealogy chapters this morning. Uh, so let me just catch you up on the important things that have happened in the couple of chapters which we will pass over. Rachel, Jacob's wife, has passed away, giving birth to her second son, Benjamin. And after that, God gives us an account of all the, lie, of all the descendants of both Jacob and Esau. Now this morning as we go to chapter 37, we are going to be looking and beginning the story of the life of Joseph. So we are passing sort of from the story of Jacob as the main character to the story of Joseph. And if you search short of Jesus Christ throughout the scriptures, you will not find a life that is lived so well, perhaps, as the life of Joseph. He's given to us as an example that we might learn how to serve God in the midst of uncertainty and in the midst of being sinned against. We're going to talk about sin in the life of Joseph, not that Joseph has done, but that it has been done to him in the providence of God. And as we've seen, as I mentioned earlier so far in the Genesis narrative, that humanity is very sinful. That is the theme that is woven throughout the book of Genesis. It's from the beginning when Adam and Eve uh, ate the forbidden fruit. Their, their sons, Cain, rises up and kills the brother Abel. The world becomes so wicked that God destroys it with a flood, except for Noah and his sons, who the first thing that happens when they get off the boat nearly is that Noah gets drunk, passes out, wakes up and curses his grandson, it's bad. Abraham lies, gives away his wife twice. Isaac does the same thing. They show favorites within their home. And now Jacob, we know his dysfunction with all the wives that he married and how he was passive in being a husband. And it's going to get worse. It's rampant upon the face of the earth. Today we're going to talk about a guy, begin talking about a guy who instead of himself being sinful, is greatly sinned against. So I'm going to read to you Genesis chapter 37, so we can get an idea of Joseph's life and what it was like to be Joseph. Genesis 37, verse 1. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. And these are the family records of Jacob. At 17 years of age, Joseph tended sheep with his brothers. The young man was working with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought a bad report about them to their father. Now Israel, that's Jacob, loved Joseph more than his other sons because Joseph was a son born to him in his old age. And he made a robe of many colors for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him. They could not bring themselves to speak peaceably to him. Then Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. There we were binding sheaves of grain in the field and suddenly my sheep stood up and your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheep. Are you really going to reign over us? His brothers asked him. Are you really going to rule us? So they hated him even more because of his dream and what he had said. But then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Look, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. 
He told his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said, What kind of dream is this that you've had? Am I and your mother and your brothers really going to come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the matter in mind. His brothers had gone to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem. Israel said to Joseph, Your brothers, you know, are pasturing the flocks at Shechem. Get ready, I'm sending you to them. I'm ready, Joseph replied. Then Israel said to him, Go see how your brothers and the flocks are doing and bring word back to me. So he sent him from Hebron Valley and he went to Shechem. A man found him there wandering in the field and asked him, What are you looking for? I'm looking for my brothers, Joseph said. Can you tell me where they're pasturing their flocks? They've moved on from here, the man said. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph set out after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him in the distance. And before he had reached them, they plotted to kill him. They said to one another, oh look, here comes that dreamer. So now come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these pits. And we can say that a vicious animal ate him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to save him from them. He said, let's not take his life. Don't shed blood. Throw him into this pit in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him, intending to rescue him from them and return him to their father. When Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped off Joseph's robe, the robe of many colors that he had on. Then they took him and threw him into the pit. The pit was empty without water. They sat down to eat a meal, to eat a meal. And when they looked up, there was a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were carrying aromatic gum, balsam, resin, going down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What do we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come on, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay a hand on him. For he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers agreed. When the Midianite traders passed by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the pit and sold him for 20 pieces of silver to the Ishmaelites who took Joseph to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, The boy is gone. What am I going to do? So they took Joseph's robe, slaughtered a male goat, and dipped the robe in its blood. They sent the robe of many colors to their father and said, We found this. Examine it. Is it your son's robe or not? His father recognized it. It is my son's robe, he said. A vicious animal has devoured him. Joseph has been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth around his waist, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will go down to Sheol to my son in mourning. And his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guards. What is going on here? I told you that the Bible is a story of dysfunctional, sinful families, and it doesn't get much worse than plotting and conspiring to kill your own brother, and when you decide that, you know, killing won't actually make us any money, why don't we sell him as a slave and make some money? That's bad. That is a messed up family. And there are so many things and so many ways we could talk about why it comes to this place. Joseph is the son of his old age. He's also the oldest son of his favorite wife, which we've learned throughout the scripture. So 
Jacob's playing favorites to his wives, having a bunch of wives, kids by a bunch of different uh, wives, has caused rivalry. We have already seen rivalry between Leah and Rachel. Now we see rivalry between the boys. It is not a happy home. And Joseph the dreamer is given by God two dreams in this passage. And they are not received well, to say the least. The brothers who are already resentful of him, once they hear these dreams, they actually hate him more and more until they hate him so bad they're willing to murder him. But what I want to point out to you this morning for us to think about is that Joseph did nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. It's not his fault that his father gave him the robe of many colors. And you might say, well, maybe he should have kept these dreams to himself and not told. Maybe he was being a little bit arrogant when he told the brothers about this dream. And to that, I want to say this. Maybe he could have been more tactful. However, these were not just dreams of a young boy with visions of grandeur. These were given to him by God These dreams are the word of God and when he speaks of them, he speaks not as a boy who wants to rule over his family, but as a prophet of God. He's speaking the word of the Lord to his brothers and to his father. God intends for Joseph to be raised up and their sheaves will bow down to his. It is not his arrogance that has done this, it is the word of God. Now God has used this to provoke the jealousy of his brothers. Just as God will later use Moses to provoke Pharaoh. When God's word is given to people, it is not the fault of the messenger that it is not well received. Joseph is indeed going to be exalted over his brothers. I want to pause and point out just a couple of things really quick. I want to talk to moms and dads. Do you see... How you love affects your children. How Jacob treated his sons had a massive impact on their family dynamic. So much so to the point where they were ready to murder Joseph. We must love completely our children, not make favorites. Strive to be as fair and as loving to them as we can. If we do not give the affection and attention to our children that they need, then they will resent us and others. And I'm not just talking about showing our love to a favorite child. It doesn't matter if it's a favorite child or a favorite sport or your work or even this church. Your children need you. If you don't give them the, the, the primary devotion and affection which they need from you, they will find it somewhere else and they will resent us for not loving them. And two, just because we are innocent does not mean we are exempt from suffering. Joseph is a prefiguring of our own Lord Jesus Christ. Surely you can see it in the echoes of the supper we had this morning. Remember, I talked about the fact that on the night that our Lord was betrayed for silver, and Joseph's own brother sold him out for silver, just like our Lord would be sold out for silver. He was sold into bondage and slavery due to no fault of his own, exactly as our Lord Jesus Christ. Joseph does show us a figuring, a type of Christ in this passage. And throughout his life, he is not someone who is sinning against others, but is someone who is very sinned against. It is no wonder that the Apostle Paul says in Acts 14, 22, it is necessary to pass through many troubles on our way into the kingdom of God. Many troubles, not all of them of our own doing. 
And so when we tell the truth of God's word to others, when we speak about the things which God has revealed to us, not through dreams, but by a more reliable source, through his written word, do not be surprised when others reject the things that the word of God says. You yourself might wind up just exactly like Joseph. In fact, I well remember being lost and people telling me that I could know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was risen and that I could be saved. And I thought that was arrogance. Because I was lost. And the Spirit of God had not revealed to me that the Son of God was indeed risen and that He is indeed Lord. It is not arrogance to state the truth. We can say it arrogantly, but that doesn't mean we are being arrogant. The Bible is God's truth. This will upset people as well. We must be prepared for this type of suffering which Joseph and our Lord received for speaking His word. If we thought that Jacob's family was messed up before, this is definitely the height of dysfunction. But there is more at work here than just Joseph's brothers being spiteful to him. Many years before, Abraham was told by God, your children will go into captivity for 400 years into the land of Egypt. They're going to go outside the land. Now, Joseph cannot possibly know this, and his brothers don't know this either. But what is going into effect right now is a plan of God that is much bigger than the life of Joseph or even his brothers. Joseph has a part in this overarching, grander plan. He has no idea what his place is in it. He doesn't know what his life will mean, and he doesn't know what this will mean for his progeny and for his brother's children for 400 years to come. He has no idea. And while this story, this moment is important, is about Joseph, it is also a part of a much larger story that Joseph can't see, that is far, far larger than they imagine. And so what I want to say to you this morning is that we, like Joseph, are a part of a much larger plan of God and you have no idea your place in it. You have no idea what your life will mean. We have no idea how God will use us. When Joseph is there thrown into that well, that dry pit, while his brothers callously sat and ate food, while Joseph's cries could no doubt be heard from that well, he had no idea that when they hauled him up out of that well, sold him to the Midianites, that he was going to become Pharaoh's right-hand man and the second most powerful man on the face of the earth. He had no idea that God's plan for his life was that one day his brothers would come and bow down to him and he would save them from starvation. All he knew at the moment was, I'm fixing to go in chains into slavery because my own brothers hate me. And what of you? What will your future be? It's easy to read the story of Joseph, right? And remember that he's going to become Pharaoh's right-hand man. But Joseph doesn't know this. He's in a pit. He's afraid he's going to die. And that might be where you are, too. You have no idea what God is going to do with your life. If you're a young person in here, people ask you, what are you going to be when you grow up? You don't have a clue. <laughs> Every Monday, I still wonder the same thing. I'm 43 years old. What have I done with my life? Is any of these things mattering? You don't think Joseph thought similar thoughts when he was down in that well? What does it mean when Jesus says the last shall be first and the first will be last? What does it mean to be obedient to Christ? And he said, those some will reap a hundredfold in the kingdom to come. Will that be you? You have no idea. Literally no clue. But just like Joseph, you are in the middle of a much larger overarching plan for the salvation of the nations. And you don't know your part in it yet. 
because your story's not finished. And even if it were finished, we still wouldn't know. You are part of God's plan, exactly like Joseph. You're going to suffer exactly like Joseph. It's not just me trying to be uh, doomsday. But the Apostle Paul said, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will face persecution. Every single one of us, through many trials, must we enter the kingdom of heaven. Just exactly like Joseph. Now that sounds very sad and it's a big bummer to hear on Sunday morning, but it's absolutely true. But there's good news attached to that bad news. There's a lot of negativity in the world today. It's a sinful, bad place, and the world is ready to rip you apart. It is a dark place. It is a land of confusion and ignorance. It is bad out there. But I want to say something positive to you this morning, and I, I do want you to know people make fun all the time on, on uh, online, especially if you watch... Uh, I'm not even going to talk about that. But you are actually special. <laughs> Listen to me. Listen to me very clearly. You are actually special. There is only one of you in the whole world. Listen, stuff you learned in kindergarten. I want you to hear again today. I don't care if you're 80 years old or 8. There is only one of you in the world. And God has given to you a task. I don't know what it is. You probably don't know what it is. But you will most certainly fulfill it. And no one else in the world can do it but you. You are selected by God, made a masterpiece of God's making. A child, a daughter, a son of the king. And your story will not be boring. You just can't see it now. You are made in the image of God. And you can and must reflect his glory to others. And how that will change your lives and the lives of your brothers and the lives of your sisters and those you come in contact with, you have no idea. Now, you may be sitting in the bottom of a pit feeling like you're about to be sold out to the Midianites or die. But I can guarantee you that God loves you that he will use you and that your life will not be in vain. Don't we need that encouragement this morning? Your life will not be lived in vain. None of your works will go unknown to God. None of them will be forgotten, not a single one. I want you to think for a moment about Joseph down there in the pit. You know, Jeremiah got thrown in a pit too. He almost died there. You think maybe your life will not matter. The author of your salvation is far more creative and wonderful than you give him credit for. There was a man who literally we know nothing about except he was a thief. He was a thief. And he was crucified for his crimes. And it just so happened he was crucified at the right hand of a man named Jesus of Nazareth. You don't know about that guy? What do you know about him? What's his story? He's a thief. Do you think as he was on the cross, he was thinking about his life and thought, what has my life been about? It's nothing. 
What have I accomplished? What will happen after this? I'm a thief. But what do you know about him? You know that as he died, he heard Jesus speak. And he rebuked his buddy, who was also a thief, and said, You speak like a foolish man. We're being crucified for our own crimes. This man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, what? Lord, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. Is that glorious? We still know his story, right? One thing he said. That's it. Lord, remember me when you enter your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Today, You'll be with me in paradise. And even today, 2018, almost 2,000 years since that guy's been crucified, as I think of his confession on the cross, I am filled with hope. His one sentence helps me. Do you think he knew that? Do you think when he died, he thought, they're going to put my words in the inspired word of God and for 2,000 years, my brothers and sisters, even though I was only a Christian for like, what, an hour? Are they going to be inspired by that story forever? Or what about the woman who came in and washed Jesus' feet? And Judas said, this ointment could have been sold and given to the poor for lots of money. And Jesus said, leave her alone. She's done a beautiful thing for me. I tell you the truth. As long as this world keeps going as it goes, her story will be told until the end. What else did she do, y'all? You don't know how God is using you. You don't know what will happen in your life. You have no idea your place in the tapestry of God's making. But I am telling you this morning that exactly like Joseph, he doesn't know that his people are about to go 400 years into captivity. He doesn't know that he's going to save his entire family from famine. All he knows is that he is in a pit and where in the world is God and how is this just and what is happening to me? We are sinners. We are bad ones. We defy the living God who is living God who is holy and awesome and we are made out of dirt. And we defy him. However, we are also heirs of salvation. And all of the glory of God in Christ. And we will sit with him on his throne. We who were made from dust. Your story is important. You are important. And God will use you. If, if you will love him. Just love him and tell others of his love for you. Do not underestimate the power of God's love for you and in you to change the nations, to change the world. You are a part of the exact same story as Joseph. Do you think that you are less important than Joseph just because you're not in the Bible? Is this not the same mistake that people made in James's day when he wrote, Look, Elijah was a person with a nature exactly like yours. All he did was pray that God would cause it not to rain, and it did rain for seven years. And then he asked God to make it rain, and it did. The point James is making is not that Elijah is awesome, but that he served an awesome God, and all he did was ask. What will your story be? I don't know. I look forward to hearing it. 
when the great teller of all tales teaches us who you were and what you've done. Church, be encouraged. Our brother Joseph was betrayed by his own brothers, thrown into a pit. But in this very moment, in the moment before his feet hit the bottom of that dirty pit, God had already seen and knew exactly what he was going to do with the life of his beloved Joseph. And that he was going into that pit at the hands of sinful men so that he might save them from death. And in the exact same way. Terrible sin against Joseph and terrible sin against his own son. Betrayed by one of his own friends. A person who supped at his table turned against him. Sold him out. His own people, the Jews, crucified him. The Romans, the Gentiles, put him to death. And what did our Lord say? Father, forgive them. They know what, what they do. We murdered the Son of glory. And God used that spectacular, horrible, awful sin to redeem the world. There are no good people, only people who are in desperate need of God's grace and He is more than happy to give it. Your life means something. And I am proud to know you. Cannot wait to see. Cannot wait. So hold on. Be steadfast. Do not give up or turn back because if you do not grow weary in well-doing, someday you will reap a harvest. You will reap. Your works will not be wood, hay, and stubble. They will be gold and silver refined by the fires of God. Trust the Lord. He loves you. He is working through you. Come to Him with humility but also boldness. It is the beautiful contradiction of the Christian life. And God will make much of you for the sake of His Son. And your story will be great. Let's pray. Father, we pray this morning that you will help us to trust you by faith. Some of us, Lord, I know are in a dark place. And Lord, they need to see your light. They need to feel your love. And they need to know your joy over them. They need to feel again like they are the sons and daughters of God that you have called them to be. And that is enough. And we need to know with confidence that what we do, you care. And that when we work, you work for the sake of your Son. Father, help us to glorify Christ in all that we do. Lift up the hearts of your people and give them the joy of your salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'll stand, we're going to sing.